0: You're listening to The Historian's Podcast. A pleasure to welcome Jim Richmond to the program. How are you doing, Jim? Good, Bob. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, James Jim Richmond is author of the book War on the Middle Line, the founding of the community in the Ross patent in the midst of the American Revolution. It's out now. It's published by Lulu.com. It's available on Amazon, also Barnes and Noble, and at local retail outlets, as well as some historical sites uh, and museums. When we talked with uh, Jim Richmond before, I'd met him at a gathering of Capital District genealogists, of which he is one. Uh, he was working on this book, and uh, now it's it's finished. He also contributed an article on the 1780 raid on the settlement at the Middle Line to the Journal of the American Revolution. I'd like to uh, start at what I think is the beginning of your story. Uh, how did uh, this part of Saratoga County maybe tell us specifically where it's located and uh, how was it settled by uh, European uh, colonists?
1: This area, which is really now in the town of Boston in the town of Milton in Saratoga County was part of the k patent that was granted by Queen Anne in 1708 uh, but for sixty years after that uh, grant it was never settled due to disputes uh, with, the, with the Indians in 1768 uh, William Johnson uh, finally uh, was able to uh, settle that between the proprietors of the patent and the uh, local Mohawk Indian tribe uh, for five thousand dollars, they settled on a tract of the Cateros that extended a total of four hundred and six thousand acres, uh, most of Saratoga County, up to uh, in, including a little part of Warren County and a little part of Montgomery County. Settlement didn't begin until after that after that uh, uh, decision with the Indians to be able to uh, free up the land, and that was done in the early 1770s. Mm-hmm.
0: And a point of pronunciation, I, I notice you're saying Cateros, and I'm saying cateros which is right?
1: Well, cateros is phonetic spelling, but most people say the Cateros.
0: Okay. Well, let's call it Cateros. Where did these settlers come from?
1: Well, that was the interesting uh, part of the, the research. The, the settlers on Middle Line Road came, by and large, from Connecticut. Uh, they arrived, as I said, about the start of the American Revolution. So what I do in the book, and it's really the center section of the book, is tell the history of these families in terms of their, uh, their background, um, mostly in Connecticut. And most of the families, first of all, go back to the very early days of settlement in New England. Many of the families came in as early as the 1640s and 1650s and settled um, in the oldest communities of the, uh, of the state, including Hartford, Norwich, New London, and New Haven. Um, the interesting thing I found as I went backwards was the relationships among the families that um, ended up on the Cateros went back over 100 years to relationships that they had in these towns in Connecticut. So as they traveled uh, westward for them, uh, it was often in uh, community groups, not just family groups. And that became the basis for their settlement
0: along uh, the Middle Line Road. And I think maybe it would be correct to describe these folks as Yankees. I mean, they, uh, from the get-go, w- tended to support the, the revolution.
1: Yes, they were, they were Yankees, uh, again, that uh, caused their support uh, of the, uh, you know, of the uh, patriots in the American Revolution. Um, that's an interesting concept because this area along Middle Line Road, while it was heavily uh, um, populated by people that supported the American Revolution, there were local Tories in the area, some of which became protagonists in the raid in 1780. And beyond that, they were uh, they were surrounded, um, certainly on the west, by William Johnson and John Johnson, um, who were uh, obviously loyal to the crown. Uh, so And in other areas, the Jessup brothers in the Glens Falls area were also loyal to the crown. Both of those families developed um, loyalist uh, regiments in the, uh, in, on the British side in the, uh, in the American Revolution. So while the people along Midline Road were very strongly patriotic by and large, um, they were surrounded by areas of mm-hmm.
0: uh, uh, Tory support. And I I noticed in the publicity for your book that you're scheduled to speak to the uh, group at the Fort Plain Museum, and the folks up there have been holding for a couple of years now an American Revolution in the Mohawk Valley uh, Conference, which I've had the pleasure to attend up at Fulton Montgomery Community College. Hope you can be a speaker there next year. But the story that has um, uh, emerged to me from attending these conferences is that while the Battle of Saratoga, 1777, actually fought in Schuylerville, was a major turning point in the American Revolution, uh, a great American victory. It convinced the French to ally with the rebel cause. But, And to a large extent, maybe the big battles moved elsewhere uh, after that. But the war didn't move elsewhere. And around here, right up until the uh, 1780s, up until the end of the war uh, in, indeed, uh, there were were a lot of guerrilla actions or uh, raids uh, from Canada. These disaffected loyalists, their Indian allies, in particular the Mohawks, uh, were in, at the war's beginning forced to get out of here uh, and go up to Canada. But they kept coming back with, uh, you know, with wartime parties uh, to to burn uh, and to destroy crops and so forth. And they did it in a number of places and I've talked a long time, so I'm going to get you back talking again. They also did it here uh, at uh, at the middle line, and when did that take place? Yes,
1: yeah, so that was in 1780. That was one of the uh, last major raids, and just to build on what you were saying, um, after the Battle of Saratoga, the raids uh, began in earnest uh, among the uh, uh, British and their Indian allies um, in in the following year, in 1778, uh, and I know a lot of your listeners will know uh, about the various raids on Cherry Valley, Harry and uh, other places, German Flats. And so this was just a, a, an annual occurrence. Um, in 1779, uh, General John Sullivan was authorized by uh, Washington to try to put an end to that uh, by uh, um, attacking the, uh, uh, the Iroquois in their homeland in the area of the Finger Lakes and so on, and they did an excellent job of destroying their their crops and their and their villages and so on. But the warriors escaped from that raid and and went back to uh, Fort Niagara over the uh, uh, in the winter of 1779 and 1780. And in 1780, there was a number of raids of retribution uh, by the British and their uh, Iroquois allies. And the raid on uh, Boston in October of 1780 was the last of those raids. There were earlier ones in May when John Johnson came down to Johnstown and had a raid and, and raided that area of Johnstown, German Flats. Uh, and it was the raid in, on Boston in 1780 was really the second half of a pincer's movement with uh, John Johnson raiding in the uh, Schuylkill Valley and the Mohawk Valley. Uh, unfortunately, the two uh, groups. Unfortunately for them, uh, the two groups never met up, and that allowed the uh, raid on Boston to be uh, uh, to be developed on its own, as opposed to being in concert with uh, John Johnson's raid.
0: How many um, troops were involved in in this raid?
1: Well, the raid uh, on Boston initiated in Canada. And there were a thousand troops that came down under uh, Major carlton and they split up at uh, Crown Point, and um, Major Carleton, Christopher Carleton, took the majority of them, about 800 of them, and uh, traveled down through Skeensboro, which is now Whitehall, uh, captured Fort Anne, and raided the south as far as the present village of Schuylerville, and then turned and headed north and um, Captured the uh, troops at uh, at Fort George, and that was the biggest uh, loss of life in the in the raid, which would, about 30 members of the uh, of the uh, American force defending uh, Fort George were killed. Um, in the meantime, a, a general, I'm sorry, um, Major John Monroe, uh, left at Crown Point, and he traveled down through. Uh, the Hudson Valley, the and the uh, Saratoga Valley, uh, and attacked uh, Ballston from uh, really the northwest. Uh, as he was traveling along through Upper Saratoga County, uh, he had the choice of whether to raid Schenectady, or Saratoga, or try to link up with uh, with Carleton. uh... because he could not connect with John Johnson, and, and they could never. Uh, 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 worked together because they couldn't c- communicate. Uh, he felt a raid on Schenectady would have been a failure because he needed the help of John Johnson to do that. So he uh, determined he'd raid uh, Balston. And one of the reasons he raided Balston is because the militia men in that area were particularly a thorn in the side of the British, and particular Lieutenant Colonel James Gordon was a thorn in the side of the British. Um, he had led uh, a number of the troops that had actually responded to raids in the Mohawk Valley in the last two or three years mm-hmm. uh, before 1780. Uh, he had had intelligence that uh, that um, James Gordon and his most of his militiamen were at home um, in October 1780 along Middle Line Road, and he determined to attack uh, Ballston as a result of that.
0: And what happened in the attack?
1: Well, the attack happened on the evening of October. Uh, or the the night of October 16th, um, Monroe, who had 200 troops, of which about 170 of them were British loyalists and about 30 were Mohawk Indians, um, uh, led a raid through what is now the town of Galway. or Let's say he approached uh, Ballston to the town of Galway in secret, really, and then about midnight, he attacked the uh, home of uh, L- uh, Lieutenant Colonel James Gordon and captured him and his, uh, his son and uh, two of his servants and actually three mem- other members of his family, which were slaves. And that was the first uh, uh, attack. And from there, he uh, went, he attacked up the, uh, um, the Midline Road, burning homes as he went and uh, capturing other militiamen and a few other additional servants.
0: Mm. How many did they uh, capture altogether?
1: Well, they actu- actually captured 31. Um, of those, several uh, were uh, released soon after the raid because they were uh, not in good physical condition. They could not keep up with the, uh, uh, with the raiders mm. um, on their return to Canada. But th- they ended up taking... Uh, And and two of them escaped. So actually, there were 25, uh, 24 men and one woman, actually, who was a who was a slave uh, that were taken uh, to Canada and incarcerated there.
0: And just maybe an aside on on slavery. uh, You know, we think of that as mainly a southern issue. But, for example, uh, William Johnson had slaves. There were uh, slaves uh, and these are African-American slaves, correct?
1: Yes, they had African-American slaves. William Johnson did. Slave Slaves were prevalent in Albany. And interestingly, on the other side, General Philip Schuyler had a number of slaves in his uh, plantation over by current Schuylerville. So it was not uncommon.
0: So we've come to the point where uh, the captives have been taken in the British uh, Loyalist and uh, Mohawk Indian raid on, on the middle line and they've taken them to Canada. We'll find out what happens next in just a moment in our conversation with Jim Richmond, author of the book War on the Middle Line, The Founding of a Community in the Ross Patent in the Midst of the American Revolution. I'm Bob Cudmore. I hope you're enjoying this edition of the Historian's Podcast. Since we started the broadcast, or podcast, I should say, in 2014, guests have included... Boston Spa author David Fisk, Northville Village historian Gail Kramer, and Matt Ryan of WMHT Public Television. We keep going financially because of your donations to our GoFundMe campaign that helps to pay for production expenses. Please donate at GoFundMe.com forward slash historians2016. If you'd rather send a check, please make it out to me, Bob Cudmore, Send it to 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you. And let's get back to our podcast interview with Jim Richmond, author of War on the Middle Line. So we're in the end of 1780, and 24 men, one woman, uh, from this relatively new uh, settlement on the Middle Line, in what is now Saratoga County, uh, are being taken off to Canada uh, by a, a force composed of uh, British troops, British loyalists, and uh, Iroquois, and I think mainly Mohawks, although you can correct me if I'm wrong. And just to jump to the end of the story, or into that part of the story, I believe most of them, if not all of them, are repatriated after the war. And you you said how one of the, the captives was uh, James Gordon, who was a lieutenant colonel in the militia, and you know, or you've been able to find in your research for this book a lot uh, more about him. Can you ex- explain that and uh, tell about some of his actions maybe before, during, and after his capture?
1: Sure. Uh, James Gordon was actually a, a protege of William Johnson. He was also from Ireland. He came over from Ireland in 1758 and was involved in a, in a sutler uh, during the French and Indian War. Um, and after the war, he had uh, led trading expeditions uh, uh, as far as west as Detroit. Um, in uh, He went back to Ireland, but when he returned here in 1772, he purchased 1,000 acres worth of land along uh, Middle Line Road in two different plots. And he uh, immediately began constructing grist mills and sawmills, and uh, uh, he was a very entrepreneurial type of uh, person. Um, and became a prominent leader in the community even before the uh, uh, the American Revolution. So he was looked upon as, if you will, the uh, uh, pejorative maybe, but the, the godfather of Middle Line Road. He was the <laughs> okay. patriarch. He was the ones that others uh, looked to for support and protection. And one of the interesting things I, I found is I read through some of the accounts of, uh, of James Gordon was. Uh, there was a theme in his life, uh, one of which was to uh, protect the people that he, uh, uh, that he felt uh, uh, were uh, beholden to him in order to be able to make their livelihood in a new frontier settlement. And I do have a, qu- a quote when he was uh, uh, in a letter that he sent back to the Albany Committee of Correspondence, who had chastised him because him and the town of Boston for not... Uh, attending meetings in Albany related to the Committee of Correspondence. And uh, here's his account, which I think is interesting. It gives a little bit of uh, uh, insight into his uh, mindset. I must again plead our poverty, it being clear to me that if it pleased God to blast our troops this year, the same as last, it would ruin above one half of the people of this place. This makes it more incumbent upon them to give due attention to their farms, for you can't conceive how inconvenient it is for anyone here to leave their business but for one day. So that gave me an indication that he was really protective of the people mm-hmm. in the community that, uh, that he led.
0: I'm interested in why he became a rebel as opposed to a loyalist.
1: He, he was, uh, interestingly, even though he was a William Johnson supporter, he also um, became a leader in the community at the time of the founding of the of the Kateros patent, and he believed in the in the rebel cause, and you and most of the people that uh, settled along Middle Line Road uh, were Yankees from Connecticut, and uh, he uh, strongly supported the uh, the war effort. Uh, it's interesting that uh, you, you cannot make broad-brush uh, assumptions of, well, the, all the Irish became loyalists and all the Yankees became, uh, you know, uh, or all, all the people from New England became patriots. Uh, in this case, he was also friends with uh, um, uh, Philip Schuyler and a number of the uh, patriot mm-hmm. leaders in Albany, and uh, he supported the rebel cause from the beginning
0: and lieutenant uh, colonel gordon was taken uh, captive but he escaped when he when, uh, from canada
1: yes while in canada and and the uh, the information that i was able to glean a lot was from the haldeman papers of sir frederick haldeman who was the governor general of uh, canada and uh, again partly on behalf of his men um and maybe uh, also to hopefully uh, allow himself to be uh, he wrote a number of letters to Haldeman and his aide-de-camps. And in those letters he described his, uh, um, his support for his uh, uh, men who were, while he was uh, allowed to live in a, in, a, in a house in Montreal, his men were forced to live in squalor in a prison. And he supported them and, and did what he could to try to get them uh, either freed or better provisions or, or better living conditions. Uh, however, uh, and he thought that uh, it, it, he would be in a position to be able to help them, uh, but the reality is he was transferred from Montreal to a prison in Quebec, and then he was uh, uh, exiled to an island right near Quebec. And when he realized that, uh, that he was not going to be able to uh, have any influence, he, with a number of other uh, men, escaped from that island exile and uh, traveled across Maine uh, where he almost met death um, in order to be able to return to uh, America. He came into through Boston uh, and uh, returned to uh, Middle Line Road in uh, uh, the uh, fall of 1782.
0: You also tell the, the story of a, one of the men who was captured, Josiah Hollister, a very poignant tale, and you, you had a lot of we had a good source for that information. What was that, and what's his story?
1: Yes, Josiah Hollister actually wrote a journal uh, that was, uh, was printed and published in the 1790s, and he gives an extensive account of his early life. Uh, again, he also was from Connecticut, and uh, he gave an account of uh, the actual uh, impact of the raid on him and his family, and I have that uh, that I'll, I'll read a little bit from as well. This is from his journal. I took my little son, my wife took the other child, and we left the house. They bade me give the child to my wife, but the child clung fast around my neck. I asked them to show some pity. What can this woman do with two small children? One presented his gun to my breast and swore an oath that he would not be plagued with me any longer. Hmm. My wife begged them to spare my life. Another struck up the muzzle of his gun and hauled me away to the guard but judge what my feelings were at this time, to see my house in flames, my wife and children turned out of doors, almost naked, myself hauled away among savages and men more inhuman than they. So you get a little bit of the emotion involved in the uh, the raid itself uh, by his account. And uh, he was also uh, incarcerated at a place called Prison Island, which is adjacent upstream, about 45 miles from Montreal. Uh, for uh, uh, about two years, and he was returned at the end of the war
0: but when he returned uh, it it wasn't good news in a way
1: Yes, it was uh, really certainly bittersweet uh, uh, in the account I just read you uh, you saw how his uh, his wife supported him uh, in in their time of trial and and his two children. Well, after the uh, raid, his wife uh Medible, her name was uh, went back to uh Connecticut to uh, live with her family um, in Sharon Connecticut I believe and uh he returned uh by uh, by boat or by ship to uh Boston in November of 1782 and uh, from there he walked home okay and he walked back not to his home on Middle Line Road but to his his home and his, his wife's uh, parents' home in uh, Litchfield, Connecticut. I believe it was Litchfield. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And as he went along, he was able to meet some other people that he knew through his family, and they told him to hurry home because his wife was very ill. And in his, uh, in his diary um, uh, that he wrote, his journal, he, he kind of uh, describes uh, in, in um, poetry form uh, her last uh, last days and it's really how i end the uh, uh, the uh, the book because it's kind of a poignant story so. huh.
0: now uh, of the the 20, 25 people that were taken to canada did they all come back or or not
1: all of them interestingly and i i neglected to mention this before there were two people that were killed during the raid itself Okay, all the rest that were captured and taken to Canada uh, survived and all of them returned. But by several different methods, there were two groups of people that uh, uh, had uh, had escaped prison. Okay, the rest were uh, were uh, released at the end of the war. But they all did make it back uh, to the now United States.
0: Mm. What about the the lone woman? Did she come back?
1: Well, the interesting thing, and uh, you would mentioned uh, Dave uh, Fisk, and uh, he has written some information on, on the, uh, the slaves. The slaves that were taken to Montreal uh, by the British uh, loyalists were immediately sold, um, and this woman was a, was a slave woman. And uh, there was no account of, uh, of what happened to most of them. There was one that uh, was Gordon's slave named Nero that did return and actually uh, returned uh, to uh, Gordon's uh, uh, control after the war. The rest of them, there is no account as to what happened to them in uh, Montreal after they were sold.
0: Hmm. And um, I believe you addressed this issue as well. From the point of view of the Iroquois or the, or the Mohawks, as I understand it, when they took captives, they sometimes adopted them, made them part of, the, of their nation. Uh, did that happen? Apparently, that didn't happen to any of these captives. Well,
1: interestingly, it did and it didn't. Here, here's what happened: um, because of the uh, uh, the Mohawk support of, of the raid, they were offered and they did accept nine of the twenty-five hostages um, I'm sorry, of the captives as hostages. They were given to the the uh, the Indians, and they. They uh, went to Canada separately from the main group, all right, but within a few days of their arrival in Montreal, rather than to keep them uh, as captives in the Indian villages, the Indians brought them to Montreal and resold them to the British. So Mm. they made a little money on the deal. Wow.
0: Now... Uh, when the, again, we're talking to Jim Richmond, his book, War on the Middle Line. Can you pinpoint that location? I know that would be of interest to our uh, listeners here in the uh, Saratoga area or the Capital District. Where where did this happen? Where was th- this raid taking place? Okay,
1: Middle Line Road is a, is a road that is uh, just west of uh, Route 50, about two miles north of Burnt Hills.
0: So it was on Middle Line Road two miles north of of Burnt Hills.
1: Yeah, two miles north of Burnt Hills. uh, Your readers may know, uh, be familiar with Ballston Center with the White Presbyterian Church on the northeast corner. The raid started a a few hundred yards north of that where the Morning Kill uh, crosses Middle Line Road, um, and that's where the uh, home of of James Gordon was. Hmm. And it proceeded up through... Uh, Ballston across what is today uh, Route 67, and uh, through to
0: um,
1: what is now Milton Center, which is where Middle Line Road crosses the Cateross in the town of Milton.
0: And is is there a historical marker there or anything like that?
1: There are several historical markers that uh, uh, that describe uh, the the activities of that day. Uh, the first is actually um, at the uh, Morning Kill. There is a Uh, historical marker there that is uh, entitled 1780 Raid, and that describes briefly the account. Uh, There are several other markers at individual homes along the next uh, two or three miles of the Raid, including the home of uh, George Scott, who was wounded by the Indians. Um, His home is just south of Route 67, and the home of uh, Jonathan Filer has a marker which is uh, just south of George Scott's home. So if you were to drive along there... Uh, you can pick up a little of the history of the
0: raid by reading those markers. Thank you very much. We're just out of time. James Richmond is author of War on the Middle Line, the founding of a community in the Cateros patent in the midst of the American Revolution, published by Lulu. It's uh, available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores, and local historic sites. I'm Bob Cutler.